Hello. So today I have a special guest, Mike Still. Mike is, and he's going to introduce himself and provide more details, but I believe he is uh, English, British, if I'm not, he'll correct me if I'm wrong. Correct. And, uh, and uh, he is a, not only a speaker of Arabic, at least one dialect. And so I want to find out more about learning Arabic, his experience, his recommendations, what to do, what not to do, and so forth. So, Mike, welcome. Thank you very much. Pleasure to be here. Thanks, Steve. Now, could you give us a brief introduction where you are, your interests, uh, and, and something about how you got into Arabic? Absolutely. So, yes, I am from the UK. That's where I am now. And uh, I grew up in the southwest of the UK. I studied in Southampton University. I did a physics degree, so not particularly language related. But I did always have this interest in languages going back to a young age. I didn't go abroad for a very long time. So it wasn't until I was about 14, 15 and I went to France with school. So, you know, across the English Channel to France with school. And I never really had much experience with other languages up until that point. Uh, I've made up for it since and I spent a lot of time traveling abroad. So I've always been passionate and interested in languages and I've always just uh, found it very fascinating to hear other languages and I always wanted to understand what other people were saying. So my specific interest with Arabic came probably as early as when I was at university, although we did have the odd Arabic lesson at school when I was kind of 15, 16 years old. I had a friend at university who was from Oman and I would always be asking him to teach me um, little words here and there, hello, thank you, you're welcome, all these kind of things. And then it wasn't until I moved abroad with my work, I trained as a teacher and I found myself living in Kuwait, the Middle East, that I really started to take it um, even more seriously. And I started studying Arabic Fusha. And when I was in the Middle East, there was no better opportunity or better excuse to, to learn the Arabic. So I started taking it a bit more, a bit more seriously then. And we can talk all about that. Sure. Can I ask you a few questions then? So what sure. year were you in Kuwait? So I moved out to Kuwait in 2016. Okay. I'm pretty so sure I'm about it. To... Yeah, 2016. Yeah. Okay. So four years ago or so. So mm. I'm trying to picture, uh, say, because I'm now interested in Arabic. So if you go to Kuwait. Yes. Uh, and you study Fusha. Mm. Uh, so my question is, how widespread is Fusha? Fusha, by the way, for non-Arabic <laughs> keeners is, I guess it's not exactly standard Arabic. I, I get confused. You, you can call it this. Some people say, well, Fusha is actually the language of the Quran or it's not, or it's not standard Arabic or whatever. Call it modern standard Arabic and you can yep. explain the differences yeah but so how common is that in Kuwait if you're learning that at school and your teachers are teaching you Fusha what is the opportunity then to use that in Kuwait with people who live there uh, that's a good question I th um, the, the short answer is not at all common and this is we, we're kind of hitting the nail on the head here with with one of I guess the the barriers or the the struggles with learning Arabic because Kuwaiti dialect is very different from the MSA. Yeah, and I, I agree with you. We should really call it modern standard Arabic. Fusha, mm -hmm. I get in trouble as well. And like, if you're watching this, please bear in mind that you're talking to, you're, you're, you're watching, you're listening to two non-natives uh, try and explain Arabic. And we're kind of in the learning process ourselves. So right. I've always lumped Fusha and modern standard Arabic in the same kind of group. But there are subtle differences. 
So we'll continue referring it to as kind of the formal modern standard Arabic and then colloquial. So out in Kuwait, Kuwait is a mixed bag of so many people. Only one third of the population is Kuwaiti. There's mm -hmm. loads of Brits, Americans, uh, Indians, people from all over the world right. who go and work there. And everyone, well, not everyone, but a lot of people try and learn a bit of Arabic. So in, in my experience, my most common, uh, I guess, um, test subjects for practicing my Arabic were my students, to be honest. Mm -hmm. And of course, they were from not just Kuwait, but from Egypt, from uh, all over the Middle East, Syria. Well, that's what I was thinking other too. Gulf I mean, countries, Kuwait. Saudi. So yeah. there was a real yeah. mix there. Mm. I was going to say there, it wouldn't just be foreigners. Uh, I mean, as in non-Arabic foreigners, you'd have Palestinians, you'd have Egyptians, uh, people going there to work because they got money and they need the workforce. That's so, exactly but right. Those other Arabs, then they will learn the Kuwaiti language or how do they communicate? Well, the rule at school, because I taught in a British school, was that they should speak English. But right. they would communicate typically in, I guess, what would be a mixed bag of uh, 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 Egyptian Arabic. Gulf Arabic, but more common than not, because the English levels of all the students was pretty high, the mm -hmm. common language was English. So I would right. I would kind of bounce things off my students and say, you know, أنا لا أريد أن أتكلم باللغة العربية لأن لأن أنا أدرس وأفضل أن أتكلم باللغة الإنجليزية. And they would say, sir, we don't say that. And that sounds really <laughs> stupid. And I would have yeah. a laugh with them and and. Gradually, bit by bit, I would then piece together the, the slang, the colloquial, the, the Kuwaiti slang, right. language of Kuwaitia, and kind of try and... It's almost like you're learning two languages parallel to one another uh, right. kind of at but, the same but time. Let's just, let's just stop ourselves there. It's, yeah. it's not really slang. Like, it's a language. I yeah. studied Mandarin in Hong Kong, and nobody mm. spoke Mandarin in 1968. It was all Cantonese. But Cantonese mm. is a language. It's not just a slang. Uh, mm. You know, Lebanese, they have a language, uh, although the written form is, is the standard Arabic, right? So it's, it's again, but that's similar to Chinese. The written form is the same, regardless of whether it's Shanghainese, Cantonese or whatever. So yep. you're there, you're learning, you're presumably you're going to a language school for your Arabic. Yes. They yeah. There was a language are, school that was organized yeah. uh, as part of the school. Yeah. Oh, I see. As part of the school. And did a lot of the teachers take Arabic? Uh, English teachers? Probably, probably 5%, small oh, amount, really? small yeah. amount, yeah. Most people mm -hmm. just want to go and uh, teach and do the work and then go right. to the health club and etc. So if you're in Kuwait and you're learning uh, modern standard Arabic, um, at least the television is in modern standard Arabic or some of the programs and the radio. Is That's that correct? correct, yes. Right. So just to explain to people, like, so the, so would it would all of the radio, television and newspapers, in other words, all the media would be in standard Arabic and people speak to each other in whatever regional language they're most comfortable with. Is that the situation? Pretty much. Yes. Yeah. So so I would listen to a radio station called M Marina FM. And mm -hmm. I think it was like 888 frequency or something, I guess would that would be right. like long wave and uh, and the the general rule is yes that in the media whether it's news or newspapers they speak and write the modern standard arabic the formal arabic mm -hmm. now the difficulty comes when you're a news broadcaster or an entertainment station and you're having phone-ins with kuwaitis and then you get the the dj i guess the, the dj sounds old-fashioned now but you get the dj right. talking to the the the, the 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 person who's calling in whoever's presenting the show 
And because they're just two Kuwaitis talking, they mm -hmm. you hear some of the colloquialisms and then right. they come back in. So I was hearing bits of that. So it, it's a slightly, it is on a scale between the formal formal and then the slightly less formal. And then of course that goes down to in the Kuwaiti family. And I have a few Kuwaiti friends and I, you know, they invited me to their house and, and to, to hear them speak within themselves that's kind of the, the far colloquial end so it's a bit of a scale but yeah the media is in the msa and then right. when you go down to just family and friends yeah it'd be totally um pretty much uh, a different language yeah but then to add to the sort of schizophrenic nature of the arabic language mm. presumably uh you know soap operas and dramas and you know those kinds of programs on television not the news or you know serious discussions but but sort of entertainment sitcoms or whatever they would a lot of them would be in egyptian or lebanese arabic right yeah or is there local again, kuwaiti production uh no that the, the, there are kuwaiti dramas and you know that the, they're probably only watched by a few hundred thousand people so they're kind of low budget but mm -hmm. they would then be presented in the kuwaiti dialect Right. So it really is a minefield to, to try but don't and distinguish. They also, yeah, but don't they also mm. watch a lot of Egyptian and, and Lebanese uh, productions as well? Um, or not well, so much? Probably, but in my experience, having dealt with... The, th the thing is, uh, the, the English language level is pretty high in Kuwait. Mm -hmm. And I would say, I mean, this is a guess, and maybe the Kuwaitis watching this can, can confirm or deny in the comments, but I would guess that most Kuwaitis would watch like American shows, YouTube, Netflix, or Kuwaiti. Uh -huh. I'm sure there are some that would watch Egyptian shows because Egyptian, okay. Egyptians are kind of like the, the entertainment center of the Middle East from what I understand, right. with the Disney films, right. etc. But there's a lot of American stuff being watched and the English levels are pretty high, so they tend to watch that, yeah. Okay, now let's move along. Uh, mm. What, when you started into Arabic, what were the, you know, what are the difficulties? Were you concerned at one point that you wouldn't be able to overcome these difficulties and how did you overcome them? Absolutely, I was, I was concerned. I thought this is an impossible task. Um, there's well, no what was way impossible? that- what, what, what specifically was well, impossible? Well, to get to the level that I wanted to get to, which was to be able to understand and speak Arabic. I just thought I'm gonna spend months. I mean, at this point I was thinking weeks, months, years. I'm gonna spend weeks, months and years and I'm going to have nothing to show for it. And I thought it would kind of, I thought it might be a waste of my time. Uh, mm -hmm. And for those people that, you know, were, were um, kind of watching me learn as well, I would have just seemed to have failed. Now, uh -huh. um, uh, of course, you, you don't notice the progress you're making. And I, I've talked about this in, in some of my vid yeah. videos that because you're watching yourself learn in real time, you don't see the small steps, the small bits of progress. And really it's just overcoming that gradually. Um, how did I overcome it? I basically tried to just, I mean, the thing is if you enjoy doing something, then it's not work. And I know that you yourself as a, as a polyglot will understand this. Yes. For you, learning a language isn't work. It's just part of your day. It's enjoyable. It's, it, it's, it's something that you get pleasure from. Mm -hmm. And I felt very much like that in that I would I would integrate it so that it didn't feel like work. I take mm -hmm. the same approach to things like exercise. It seems like a, maybe an interesting right. comparison, but if I'm exercising and I'm hating it and I'm all sweating a lot, I'm never doing this again, then I'm not going right. to do it again. So I'd rather just do something really light and easy than nothing at all. And it's the same with languages. I'd rather just watch 
uh, uh, 20 minutes of, of uh, Arabic speaking YouTube video mm -hmm. and not kind of be bogged down and tired and struggling with it than do nothing at all. So it's right. it's being realistic with your expectations and then uh, and, and not pushing it so hard that it kind of puts you off it. So that was my right. main approach. Yeah, you got to keep that uh, that uh, fire, that flame burning. Sometimes if you push it too hard, the flame goes out. Uh, exactly, yeah, exactly. When I started, the, to me, the biggest obstacle was the writing system. Mm. Uh, because, you know, four different forms of the same letter, depending on where it's located in the word, uh, you know, letters that are pronounced differently, depending on any number of things. Uh, I decided not to learn the little, uh, you know, acronyms that uh, designate the consonants because I have, you know, audio on, on, on the computer. I have text to speech. Uh, I'll just listen to it. And sure. so and but now I find that, uh, you know, it's just it's, it's just amazing how the brain gets used to things. Uh, so I eventually I'm, I'm not at your level, but I'm more and more getting used to it. I just wanted to point out, too, that you do have a YouTube channel. We will leave a link in the description box, I was interviewed by you for your YouTube channel uh, not too long ago. And uh, it's a place where people can find information, advice, resources, encouragement, explanation, etc., all related to learning Arabic. And uh, what is the name of your YouTube channel? My YouTube name is now just Mike Still. So Mike, Mike Still, M-I-K-E-S-T-I-L-L. -L. Okay. Yeah. Okay. The old name so, was Arabic Mike. So if you search for Arabic Mike, you'll find it as well. But yeah, Mike Still is the name of my channel. Okay. And I, I think, I mean, Arabic is, there's what, 350, 400 million speakers. Uh, mm. it's, a, it's a language that has had a profound influence on history because, uh, you know, having also uh, studied Turkish and uh, Persian, there's mm. 10, 15% Arabic words in those languages. Obviously, the Muslim religion, which was brought to a good part of the world by uh, Arabs, and with it, their language. I mean, it's just a, 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 and there's a whole bunch of history. The, 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 there's so much that, that relates to the Arab, uh, the Arabic language, not to mention the political situation today. Learning their language brings those people to life, makes them not just uh, stereotypes, but makes them real people. And, but of course, you lived in an Arab country, so you have a different perspective than I have, but a very worthwhile language to learn. And, and Absolutely. Uh, you, yeah, mm. you may want to add to that. Well, no, just that, you know, just to, to bring up one of your earlier points about how, you know, which language to learn and why Arabic and what are the benefits of learning Arabic. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I mean, it is, I, I mean, it depends on how you judge it, but it's certainly in the top um, five languages spoken as a second language, at least. And you're, you're never going to struggle to find someone who speaks Arabic in order to practice speaking with. For me, I had the added benefit of uh, working in the Middle East. So, I, I mean, I, I didn't just spend the year in Kuwait. I also went to Jordan and uh, spent some time there. And I then worked in Dubai. So I've spent a bit of time in that way. But no, it's, it's, it's a worthwhile language to learn. There's so many Arab speakers. And uh, it, it, if, you're, if you have any kind of contact or connection to that part of the world, whether it's through work, whether it's through a friend, it's, it's definitely... A worthwhile uh, language to learn in that way because they'll really appreciate the effort you've made and you can build those connections and for me it was all about building those connections with the people who speak it because they're quite um, uh, because it's quite unusual to to have someone learn the language it, it it goes even further with them and they really do appreciate and they love to talk about their language they're very passionate about it 
Okay, so then let me ask you a question that I kind of struggle with. So you were in Jordan, so that's Levantine Arabic. Yes. You were in Dubai, that's Gulf Arabic. Uh, yeah. Kuwait, I guess, is Gulf Arabic. I don't know. Or is it closer to Iraqi Arabic? I don't know. So when you are, are in those different yeah. places, what form of Arabic do you use to communicate with people? Um, so I would... Well, so so in Jordan, uh, I did a I, I I did a language school at um, part of the university there um, for about for a month, and having studied Fusha, um, then or, or MSA Arabic, I then added to my kind of uh, toolkit the the Jordanian. So I would try and use my Jordanian um, Levant phrases. Now, was that and... difficult to do once you had the Fusha to develop an ability in in say the Jordanian? Uh, Arabic was that a, a, a lot of work, a lot of time, or a fairly it's, easy it's, transition? It, I wouldn't say it was difficult, but it was it, it was frustrating because there I there I was learning all these words and doing my flashcards and trying to drill uh, a, a thousand, two thousand, three thousand words into my head, and then I'm given a new set of words for all of those words. So it is a challenge, and it's right. something that can can could potentially put people off, but right. it also makes you it really gives you an appreciation for the the history the structure and the depth of the language and to see how it all fits together um mm -hmm. is really is really rewarding because there's i mean i wish i could think of some some examples off the cuff but there are so many words which of course originate from the standard arabic and then have been borrowed from here there and then have been slightly translated into this meaning right. and to see that all come together it's a challenge, right. but it's it's fascinating if you are interested in languages. So the, 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 there's no better language to learn, um, you know, from from my perspective than the Arabic in how deep you can go with it. I must say that my brief exposure to Levantine Arabic, Egyptian Arabic, I can see how it connects to Standard Arabic. So like mm. I, I don't rem I haven't done a lot, but instead of saying Kathira, they say Kathira. Like they seem to you know compress yeah. a lot of these words, and they have Shui, mm. and they have all kinds of other words there uh i think we have lost our contact uh, in our zoom you know uh, i'll just explain here i we were communicating via the internet via zoom uh, here we are we're back okay we're back so yes. we're just yeah but we're actually talking to our iphones you know maybe we should yeah. end it there maybe we should try now i've been doing a lot of persian so my arabic is very very rusty but i think people would be very uh disappointed if we didn't at least try how would you say uh, you know I've totally forgotten Ithaka Tarikh Kathiran Min uh, oof, I've forgotten everything. Uh, Dalila, how do you say reasons for learning at uh, Dalila? Asbab. 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 Asbab, nam. Yeah. It's very interesting. I've forgotten. I was doing better before. I've been away from it. But you can talk. Say something to the audience <laughs> in Arabic. Yeah, I want to say لك ستيف يعني يعني أنا أنا دائما أحب أن أن أستعمته 
أن أتكلم اللغة العربية و... وأحب أن أتكلم عن اللغة العربية معك ومع الشخص آخر هو يتك... يدرس اللغات ونعم اللغة العربية جميلة جميلة يعني نعم جميلة جدا والحين أنا أنا أسكن في في بريطانيا وأسكنت في آسيا وفي الكويت وفي بريطانيا إذا سكنت في بريطانيا أو أمريكا أو كندا أو البلد حيث يتكلم اللغة الإنجليزية أنت أنت أنتم تستطيعون أن تدرس اللغة العربية بدون مشكلة أنتم تستطيعون أن أن تسمعون باللغة العربية وتشوفون البرنامج نتفليكس أو يوتيوب يعني باللغة العربية وإذا أنت أنتم تسكنون في أمريكا كندا بريطانيا أنتم تستطيع أن تدرس اللغة العربية وأنا الحين أنا أستطيع أن أدرس أيضا يعني so wherever you are in the world you can find resources and you can just do it bit by bit and keep up the studying but نعم أحب اللغة العربية and أتمنى أن هذا الفيديو مفيدة أعتقد أن فيديو بالطبع مفيدة أنا يعيش في فانكوفر ليس فرصة كثيرا للتكلم في اللغة العربية ولكن عندما عندي يمكن أن تسمع بودكاست ليس كل يوم لأنني أنا يتعلم أدرس اللغة العربية في نفس الوقت أدرس اللغة الفارسية أيضا أحب اللغة العربية ولكن للأسف ليس فرصة للتحدث So, with that, now we've lost uh, Mike again, because it's, that's why we do these on our smartphones, so that so we've just gone dead, when the um, uh, internet connection is uh, not so good, I'm still waiting for it to come back. Uh, oh, we've lost it entirely. I'm going to end it here. I think we have everything. Uh, he said what he wanted to say. I thank Mike very much, and uh, I will stop it here. And uh, I apologize for my rusty Arabic. I haven't spoken for a while. I think if I got back into it, I would improve fairly quickly because I do a lot of listening. But uh, there you have it. Bye for now.